0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode nine. My guest today is a police officer and BJJ Purple Bout, Ben Gagne. It's time to high five and fizzbomb. A jujitsu podcast for the everyday grappler. Let's talk subs. Let's talk positions.
1: Let's talk dominating the mats. Welcome to the Let's Talk Jiu-Jitsu podcast with Raymond Terrence.
0: My guest today is a BJJ purple belt and also a police officer in the Montreal, Quebec, Canada area. Uh, Ben Gagné, let's talk jiu-jitsu. right. Thanks for coming in, man. Ain't no problem. Great. Hey, uh, so maybe tell us uh, a little bit about uh, your jiu-jitsu when you started and how you got into it.
1: Actually, I started uh, practicing jiu-jitsu when I started police uh, in Cégep, in Terrebonne, and then I went to uh, Drummondville. A city that i know nothing about and the school <laughs> was there so i got accepted a month uh, a month later than all of the other students and when i started i was like hey maybe i should try some martial arts or something and the guy in my class was actually giving classes of uh bjj grappling a bit of wrestling a bit of some planet a bit of uh gracie so he's like hey why don't you come and try and i did try and i really liked it so it was uh, in the grappling saint hyacinthe at first so we had to do like an hour of car to go there and then back to Dramanville. So I started like once a week, then it went up to two times a week, and it was uh, it was great at first, and I never uh, never stopped really. Wow, well, that's pretty cool. How long have you been a police officer for? Uh, for five years. Okay. So uh, in the city of Tarbonne, a great city to work in, cool people, a great uh, police station, everybody's cool. And uh, the stations were always behind us, backing us, so feels great to work all day. Nice. Do you, do you find there's a lot of action where you're where you're policing? Or is it w- more of a quiet area? It's not like Montreal because obviously Montreal is like really, really a busy city for police officers. But I'm not like really far in the country. So I got the best of both worlds. I've got like in saint anne des plaines where it's a li- little bit more uh, like countryside. And there's downtown Terban where there's bar, a little bit like Montreal. Of course, it's not downtown Montreal, but I kind of get everything. So it's really cool to work in a city where I can touch all kind of stuff. Nice. Tell me a little bit about your first instructors when you started in Jiu Jitsu. Uh, Who
0: was your first uh, Jiu Jitsu instructor?
1: My first instructor was named uh, Patrice Larachelle. He was a blue belt in Ten Planet at the time. He got his blue belt from Eddie Bravo and he was giving classes. I was mostly no gi, but at one point he started doing a little bit more gi, so we kind of did a little bit of everything. And then uh, he moved this school in a boxing academy. And then he started to go to a Bravado in uh, in Longueu with uh, Silva Mulroney. So he was a little bit more of Gracie Umaita then. So we had fun and uh, we started practically we were like five, six guys. And at the end with the boxing club, we got a little bit higher. And then at one point he just stopped. Uh, he like sold the school and let, uh, let the boxing club handle it. Okay, nice.
0: We actually, I was actually talking about that with um, uh, Alain Savoie. He's a uh, BJJ brown belt at Brazilian Top Team Canada, and he's opening a BJJ school in Laval, which is a small sector in Montreal, uh, where he is going to start teaching out of a karate school. Uh, no, sorry, it's a kung fu school. So we were we were telling him, we were talking about registrations and does he have any students and he's like, Hey, I'm starting from scratch. Like hopefully I'll get some people. And I was like, don't worry, give it a little bit of time. These Kung Fu guys will realize that their Kung Fu is probably worth nothing. And they're going to see the Jiu Jitsu and what's going on. They'll probably transition over. But uh, kind of similar to what you were saying, you know, that, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that are starting Jiu Jitsu schools inside of other martial arts schools, you know, with different styles, whether it be karate or Kung Fu or whatnot. And I think, uh, there is some success to be had there to start, uh, um, you know gaining some reputation and showing people in other styles that hey this is what we do this is what jiu-jitsu is and I think a lot of people do transition over time once they see what it really is compared to what they're doing now it's a little bit of a reality check so yeah definitely uh you know I can understand how you know sometimes it's hard to you know you're, you're, you're going to a school and you're learning one style and you commit so many years to it and then all of a sudden you're like well what's that guy doing and why is it working so well like can, couldn't I just kick him in the face? So I guess you come from a school where some, some something similar where, where a guy just jumped in and was like, hey,
1: I know jiu-jitsu. You guys are doing this style. So here, let me show you what I do. Yeah, it was really funny. There was one uh, boxer who was always saying, hey, why are you wearing your pajamas to fight? I, don't, <laughs> I know I wear a robe coming into the ring, but I get it off. But uh, why are you wearing pajamas? We're always saying, hey, yeah, come try it just for fun. Just for fun, you'll be able to punch me if you want to, but he never never did it. answer the challenge. <laughs> nice. And then after that, you moved to... Um... Uh, I, I finished school, obviously, in Drummondville. Okay. So I kinda had a, a year and a half break because I had to go to the police academy and everything. And I just stopped because it was really far from Terrebonne to go to Saint-Hyacinthe to train. So at one point, my girlfriend wanted to start back karate. And she found that school in Terrebonne, uh, the Sunfuki karate family. And uh, she went, and she's like, hey, I saw in the in the picture there's BJJ there. I'm like, yeah, I could try it, like, just for fun. I ended up there, and it was Phil Siegel from Brazilian Top Team Montreal that was giving classes there once a week. So I was ah, I'll try it out, and it was really fun. F- like, my old coach was, like, uh, maybe 5'8", 150 pounds, a kind of quicker guy uh, who was really uh, – Flexible and his kind of jiu-jitsu with 10 planet was working perfectly, but it wasn't my kind of jiu-jitsu I did enjoy it, but I'm a bigger guy. I'm usually walking around 220. So It wasn't quite my style, but I loved it But with Phil we're basically doing the same game with the pressure. We're taking our time. There's there's we're never in a hurry so it clicked right away and we started When I started, there was like three people that were leaving. So I was the new guy, but I had already a background. And other people came in and we were like four or five with the head coach of the Karate Academy. And from that point, we always like four to five. Then we moved to a brand new uh, dojo where we came actually. And it was pretty nice dojo in the arena. But we're always like five, six guys maybe but it's all cool guys. We we don't have like any MMA fighters. that they're, We don't have the next George St. Pierre. We're all <laughs> working the next day. And even if I really like jiu-jitsu, I know I'm g- not going to make a career out of it or any money. So uh, I kind of took over the BJJ department because he's the the karate and master. We call him Xi'an. He already has like a ton of his plate because he's living out of his karate school. So I kind of helped him with the promotion, and I set it up the facebook page for the btt Terbon and everything so i'm not getting any money but i'm doing for fun and i'm trying to recruit like new players and actually in the last let's say six months we got like four or five new guys some of them stayed some of them left but at least we're having more uh, more players to have fun with that's good you just have to keep
0: promoting it you know the, the, the more you promote it and the more you know, exposure you have, especially being inside of a large karate school. I mean, they have so many people. I went and visited there a couple months ago, uh, like you were saying, and uh, so many kids and a lot of adults, you know, tons of adults that are actually practicing karate you know they're actually karate practitioners which you're seeing less and less adults jumping into karate especially at an older age but uh, they do have quite a bit of people I think a lot of people will transition over and I did see that Shehan at the time uh, you know he'd be looking into the to the BJJ class and he was asking questions and he was standing there and looking so you, know, you could tell that he appreciates a sport which is really cool and he can help you promote it at the same time uh, that's pretty neat too I remember when I went does that guy that was training there still have a hernia
1: yeah, actually, he's a kidney stone. It's a kidney stone. Yeah, he right, still right. has it, and we're still making like a bit of fun of him because <laughs> we're like, "Hey, we're just gonna kick it once, and he's gonna come gonna right go. up." <laughs> but he's still there. That
0: was hilarious when I went, and the guy told me he had a kidney stone, and he was still training. It was that's ridiculous because yeah. people go in and it'll be like, "Oh, my toe hurts. I'm not gonna spar today," or "Oh, like, I, like I'm not gonna go to jitsu because like my elbow or so whatever." This guy is going to jitsu with a full on kidney stone in pain, and it's got. I think it's been like months, right? That he's yeah, had about it.
1: Six months now
0: that's crazy cr- but
1: at, first of all Fred when he started jiu-jitsu he knew nothing about anything about like martial arts none his daughters are were starting jiu- uh, karate sorry and he's like hey I want to go too so I'll start jiu jitsu it, it looks more relaxed and I remember I could just put my finger on the stroll and was like oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and we're like oh, he's never gonna stay he's but he persevered and he's still there today and he's Way better than he used to be, and still today, like you said, he's got that kidney stone. But he's coming, he's doing the techniques, sometimes even try to roll once with the lighter guys. But he's still trying and going strong. That's so, crazy.
0: Wait until that kidney stone is gone, he's going to be a force to be reckoned uh, with, yeah, right right? And he's going to come back
1: 100%. It's going to be, uh, <laughs> it's going to be havoc.
0: Well, that's good, yeah. Definitely, you were talking about uh, your instructor, uh, down there, uh, Professor Phil uh, Siegel. He's uh, He's a big guy. I rode with him last night. He teaches on Thursday nights uh, in the West Island, and uh, he is—he's uh, a beast. He, he's very large, and it's interesting what you were saying. How you transition from a, a, a instructor who's a little smaller, you know, in stature, a little shorter, doesn't weigh as much, to a guy who's teaching you who's. I, I, I'm not going to give a number out because then he's going to get mad and he's going to think I called him fat. I usually say two, and 280. 280. Yeah. I'm like, you weigh 280 for sure. He's like, nah. <laughs> no, he's a big guy. But um, uh, do you find, so I guess you got uh, quite a bit of experience with a guy who's you know a little shorter and doesn't weigh as much and now you're with Phil. So you kind of got the best of both worlds. You know, you get to train with somebody who's a little smaller, so you, you get to adapt yourself to that. But now you got to manage you know, a black belt who's, quite larger you know and his skill level is quite high um do you find yourself adapting well you know being a being a bigger guy i guess you're taking a lot of things from him
1: yeah actually i adapting pretty well because with the no gi with the quicker guy it was hard because with the gi you can just pin him down and like get a second or two to just think or just catch your breath a bit but with uh, phil he's like teaching me how to put weight i know he's big but even if you're not that heavy you can put a weight in a way that you'll feel like way 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 heavier <laughs> and feel like i always say you weigh 280 but when he puts weight on your on your uh, chin you're like man he's gonna crush i won't be able to talk and one, it happened once my mouth just popped and i'm like oh shit, and i wasn't able to speak like for two days straight <laughs> but i still went back but he puts weight in a way that even if he was weighing hundred twenty pounds, it'd still be heavy.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. People that have that style. I mean, we have that too with Cascal. Uh, he puts. He's a small guy, and he doesn't weigh that much. But when he puts pressure on you, it feels like ten times what he weighs. And uh, pressure feels exactly like that too. I think there is a. Uh, there's definitely a huge benefit in that especially being uh maybe somebody who weighs you know 180 or 185 if you could put that pressure down that makes you feel so much heavier it's so unpleasant and i don't i don't wear a mouth guard when i when i roll and even when i compete i i've never felt comfortable with it and i haven't had any like major you know like chipping of the teeth or this and that so you know knock on wood uh, everything's still good (laughs) but uh uh, definitely when they start pressing down on your, on your face and t- I, because I don't wear, wear a mouth guard, what will happen sometimes is I'll bite my tongue and then I can't talk for like four days and I want to do a podcast but I'm like, I can't even speak, you know, I can't have a normal conversation. But I think, uh, that's one thing that makes, uh, these guys stand out is that pressure passing, you know, uh, from your knees, driving your, your shoulder into the person's face or into a sternum or using your head It makes it, it's much different than when a lot of schools are teaching, at least here locally in, in Montreal, a lot of it is, 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 Is a lot of loose uh, passing Um, but because we have so many huge guys uh, you know it's adapting well to the people that are joining and you think because there's a lot of big black belts and obviously a lot of big students also but that most of the students would be big and large but that's not the case you know there's a lot of smaller students but that are pressure passing just as well because they're learning from these bigger guys Mm -hmm. yeah so you you said obviously you're a police officer Uh, so my question is how are you adapting your jiu-jitsu to your day-to-day because you 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 wrote me an email and you were like jiu-jitsu is not relatable to to being a police officer at all and that is super surprising to me and i want to pick your brain on that
1: it's actually the worst martial art you can learn i think because the first thing they're teaching you when you're learning how to fight as a police officer is keep your distance because you have obviously your belt you're like batman you got a gun you got a pepper spray you got your stick you got plenty of things around your waist that you don't want to Anybody else but you to touch. So they're always telling you, Yeah, hey, keep get away. It's like the distance between you and the other guys should be your arm, his arm and a ticket. So it's like that oh, distance so cool. always okay. stay far. So it, in case he's got a knife or anything. But that's why Jiu Jitsu is like really the worst. But the funny thing is in the at the Ecole Nationale de Police de Quebec, I'm sorry for the French version the,
0: the Quebec's Cool. Yeah, the, where you learn
1: uh, to be a police <laughs> officer, actually, you learn how to like get out of mount. If the other person ended up on you, what do you do? And they're like, "Yeah, just punch him in the balls, okay." But if I'm not able to reach his balls, no, just just do something. <laughs> and I remember when the the teacher was there, and everybody was like, "Hey, I'm punching," and they're yelling, "I'm punching him in the balls!" And like, I was telling, I was on top of another girl, and like, "Yeah, okay, you want to punch me? Go ahead, I don't mind. Punch me in the nuts if you can." And she was like, "I'm not able to." And then she was looking at the teacher, "What do I do?" And she was like, uh, "Just try harder, oh, no. okay." And w- when we reversed the role, they gave they gave me a bigger guy. I'm like, "Okay, you're ready." Yeah, one, two, three, and I just did a full amount of escape. And everybody was like, "Whoa, what, that, what the <laughs> fuck happened? What did happen right there?" Like, I just know how to get out of this position because of jujitsu. So, if Everything goes well. I'll never use the Jiu-Jitsu, but if everything goes really bad and ended up like hand-to-hand combat and really close, I don't mind. I'm. It happened a couple of times, and I'm really uh, comfortable fighting anyone. So if you have to
0: subdue someone and pin them to the ground, uh, are you doing any techniques that you're learning in Jiu-Jitsu, like putting his hand behind his back or... Because, um, again, we, we all watch videos on YouTube and things that go up, but it's mostly in the States that we're seeing things like that. Uh, is it something that you, you would find useful if you need to take someone down to the ground and then pin an arm or pin a leg? Would you use anything jiu-jitsu-related?
1: Uh, actually, I do, but it's because I I, I do it. Not uh, not a lot of people are doing it, but usually people are doing judo. They're really good because we want to take somebody down. I played football, so I don't mind just tackling That's what most uh, cops do because it's the easier version. You just grab him and try to push him as hard as you can on the ground. It works because usually we're in better shape or we're not intoxicated, which is a big part of the job. (laughs) So uh, it helps a lot. But usually uh, I remember a couple of uh, incidents that happened and I did basically a two-on-one on the guy. My partner was choking him like a rear naked choke, but the police version. And the guy was like trying to kick me, so I was he had like kind of a butterfly guard so i was like oh i need to flip on, on his stomach because we want to put his hand on his back and put a cuffs in so i just basically did a two-on-one i escaped his uh, butterfly guard and i started doing wrestling control just to flip him over wow. it was funny because uh my sergeant was outside and usually the sergeant comes and calls and is like hey guys if you need anything just call me so he was about to say that, and you just heard a lady like yelling like crazy. Like, what the fuck happened? And he wasn't hearing nobody. Like, we were fighting. And then the guy was on drugs, really, really big drugs. And we were fighting. He was naked, obviously, because when you <laughs> get a call with a naked guy, 99% of the time you're going to fight with him. But, like, I don't know why, but it so always happens. A- <laughs> if the guy's naked, you'll end up fighting with him.
0: Always. <laughs> That's hilarious. So if you get a call and, and the they guy's say naked. the guy is naked. Right, there's a
1: naked guy. You're about is to He's on drug, yeah. We're gonna fight <laughs> for sure. That's and funny. The the sergeant was like, Were you fighting? Yeah, we were fighting. And how the fuck did it happen? Well, I was calm. The guy hit me with a broom and I just answered and I did what I had to do. But still, I was so calm that he didn't even hear me or my partner yelling or anything. We just like it was As bread and butter, like, boom, I did everything I had to do. It was like real natural because of Jiu Jitsu. Right.
0: So in the academy, you guys learn more Judo, right? Because I know at the the college here with his John Abbott, they, I think in the, I don't want to say police academy, but in the, in the, course that you take, like your three years to mm-hmm. become a, a police officer, I guess, uh, They, I think they have a judo program, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Uh, I cannot say for John Abbott, but where I was, there were two classes over the three years program. One was like, we like to call it defense against the dark arts, because it was like, uh, in French, it was defense contre les coups frappés. Okay. So we had to like, just learn how to block and just escape. And the second one was more judo related. So it like a little bit more like uh, how to put somebody down or just grab the the arm and put it in the back as cl- as fast as possible. So it was more of a grappling style, judo, and uh, that was it. And it was so funny because the exams, me and my friend, he was a blue belt at the time. I was doing jiu-jitsu for two years. And so in all the class, everybody knew that us two and another guy was doing judo there's no problem there. and he's, They were gonna pass their exam like that. But like little girls who knew nothing about anything were getting excellent grades and we we had like 80% and it was like, that's not intense enough. I'm like, what C- the hell? Because
0: he expected more, I guess, from you guys? And he was a
1: karate teacher. So okay. if you add intensity and we're yelling, so for the last exam what we did, we're like, hey, we're gonna do like a wrestling show. So we were yelling and we're like, yeah. <laughs> We had rehearsed like a little program where uh, I would sweep him and then he would sweep me back. But as we were sweeping each other, we're like, whoa, and we're hitting the mat as hard as we can. Like, it was really <laughs> wrestling. If I could have taken the chair and hit it with him, it would have been even better. But we had like an, an, an mount. We escaped everything, but it was just for the show. And did you get a good mark at the end? We got like 95. Okay, that's just good. Just because we were yelling <laughs> and like pretending to do anything. So it was funny. But... What you learn in school is really the base of it. If it were only for me, even what you learn at the police academy is not enough. Right. That's what most uh, police
0: officers are saying. We don't get enough of that hands-on combat training uh, and I found out too, so we have, uh, I come across a few police officers, you know, within different jujitsu schools. And there's one that I remember just recently, uh, he came in and he, did, and he did a trial. Uh, and he was saying that, so he said two things. We, we, one of them we can get into later, but the main one was that the, um, that the police department does not pay for any classes you would take that would, help you in your day-to-day work as a police officer if you wanted to take example your jiu-jitsu classes or you wanted to take a self-defense class to learn specific training for your job you know being a police officer that they don't cover anything for that you know like companies would cover you know like example I have a daytime job I work Monday to Friday and nine to five we're an international IT company and uh, they'll pay for a portion of your gym membership and I think it's uh, like up to eighty dollars a month for your gym membership which is pretty cool because that's eighty dollars of my jiu jitsu you know registration every month or my fee that I pay it pays for three quarters of my of my monthly payment to the jiu jitsu. Whereas you're a police officer, you're putting your life on the line and they're they like they won't even cover that. I find that odd, very odd. But it's common.
1: Yeah and uh, where I work they don't pay for anything But we had to have formation each year, we have like to have a certain amount, and usually we got three days of formation. The first one is usually uh, CPR, mixed with something that usually like school shooting, or we try to work that part that nobody normally we never do, but we have to still practice it just to make sure if it happens, we want to be ready there's usually a day that uh, we're sitting at a table talking about let's laws or new laws or something like now with the the cannabis situation, we're having tons of information about that. And when they have time to, there's a day where either we're going to the, a dojo to just review basics like cuffing techniques and anything, but still it's one day a year. And you have to have like the shooting day where you go to the shooting range and practice and do your uh, qualification for to be able to shoot again the next year so that's all the formation because there's not that much money into that department mm-hmm. so there's other formation the one, the speeding one the so so it's just a lack of funding probably right it's a lack of funds of probably of money. yeah okay because uh w- w- a lot of people are asking like the the teacher hey could we do that more often yeah we could but it'd be on our own time with uh and I would like do it freely. I don't mind, and I. Uh, but it'd be on our uh, on our own time all the time. That's obviously. interesting. So here
0: in Montreal, weed is now legal. Yep. Right. As of, I'm trying to remember what date. Was it October 17th October 17th so you can't smoke it just anywhere but it is illegal and you can consume it and this and that I, I'm curious I it really has nothing to do with jiu jitsu whatsoever I'm just kind of picking your brain have you have you guys had any situations like difficult situations are you have a hard time adapting to the law or actually you find it's going smoothly because honestly I walk the streets and I don't find a bunch of zombies like super stone now exactly. like looked at the
1: media they were like that big Armageddon coming in oh my god <laughs> pause legal what are we gonna do Uh I don't see any difference, to be uh, frankly honest. There's no net. There's no difference. People who were smoking before still smoke, but instead of buying it from the dealer, which they probably still do because this, the stores are always out of stock and everything. Probably cheaper too, right? And probably cheaper, mm-hmm. but they still smoke. Maybe like Uncle Joe, uh, I used to do it in the 70s, oh, I'll try it back now. but that doesn't cause a much as much problem as we thought we, it would and uh, there's no uh the the only thing that we're uh experiencing is usually let's say i pull you over i see some marijuana i like oh you're in re- under arrest i had the the authority to uh search the whole car and you and usually that's how you found out other drugs or weapons or that was like the opening door for intervention for everything else right so now i see my run i'm like yeah, are you driving high no okay you have the right to have a little bit so i'm not allowed to search a whole car in you so it's kind of closing doors and i've been a cop for only five years so my mentality yeah drugs are bad but i can deal with it but mm-hmm. let's say older cops it's been 20 years that drugs are bad and marijuana is uh, that illegal, transition must be that really transition hard. is harder yeah. on them. Oh, it makes sense.
0: But well, and you find, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, there's a new law that passed too, that you can pull someone over for any reason whatsoever now.
1: But that a- was any- already the case. I can pull over anyone for uh, what we call the, just if I want to make sure you're a sober, so I can pull anyone anywhere, anytime okay. to make sure you're sober. Or make sure your driver's license are in order. So that's why we're always asking driver's license, uh, immatriculation, and uh, insurance. But, but but now you don't have to have a reason. No, right? the only thing now we don't have the reason for is the breathalyzer. When we say, when we're, if I'm, before I have to uh, think, hey, maybe that guy's drunk. Maybe I should because of this, that, and those reasons. But now I can just go see you and, uh, hey, Pull down your window, yeah, blow, blow, blow in this, this. Oh, wow. okay, you're good to go. I don't think we'll do that more because it's right. legal, but it's mostly it, for uh, roadblocks. Right, if and, if,
0: and if you have a suspicion of something, you're exactly. doing, yeah.
1: Usually, <laughs> we had to, to you have uh, suspicions, but why would I do it if I'm, like, 100% sure you're okay to drive? Why would I go, ah, uh, so... Probably most cops will just stay with the suspicion basis. Right, I
0: guess a lot of cops have to find new spots to to give people tickets. They can't stand out of jiu-jitsu schools waiting for all the stoners that come out anymore. <laughs> yeah,
1: but it wasn't the case in Tarban. So there you go.
0: <laughs> nice. Actually, the police officer I that came and did that trial uh, recently, he was telling me that. Um, that there are less and less police officers at least here in Montreal with the Millennials or less Millennials going into the program to become police officers because they were saying the schooling the money isn't there uh for I mean the money isn't there when you start and then it comes over time obviously uh I mean the schedule the shifts that they're they're really swaying towards other um other types of jobs and other types of careers that there are less and less people going into um law enforcement
1: do you find that that that's the case uh i think it is because uh, if you want to get into uh the cegep the first school you have to do there is already like a tons of people who want to go in but not that many places so it's harder to get in school first when you go out of school you have to go to the police academy there's like tons of people wanted to go in, but they're only taking, let's say, a, a thousand people a year. So th- there, there's no, another roadblock. And then afterwards, if you want to get a job, it's really hard. I was lucky enough to come out of a uh, police academy in September of a year and be uh, accepted in March, the next year. So it was like really Six quick. Months. Six months? It was considered so really fast. quick, that's okay. fast. Wow. So it's harder to get a job because we w- are now in a time space where it's harder to get a job but at one point in let's say 10 years back you were in in police academy and uh, uh, like some recruiters were like hey do you have a job when you go out no hey come work with us okay where do i sign and you had a job like that it was that easy but now it's really 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 harder there's like tons of cvs like they're practically just picking out of a bucket and say, hey, you get an interview, and hey, you got an interview, and that's it because so, there's so I guess too I, much.
0: So I guess the millennials know this. Is they have access to information, obviously, so for them, I don't want to go through all that heartache and this and that, and it's going to take me forever to find a job. If they already have a huge bank of people looking to be police officers, I could see where that would discourage people from going into it.
1: And especially the police academy is really expensive, like eight grand. and It was eight grand when I went, so it's probably now closer to nine. But okay. still... You go there, you do the police academy, it's a fun experience, but... Because they provide you housing and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, they provide you housing right? house, you stay there for 15 weeks, you arrive uh, on f- uh, Sunday night, you leave at Friday night, and uh, it's really fun because you're doing police stuff for the first time, you are you went to college where they're telling you, hey, it's gonna be like this, it's gonna be like that, but that's another step. and uh, But paying eight grand and say, hey, I paid eight grand, uh, I can be a cop, but I don't get a job. I'll go as a security officer. It costs you a lot of money just to be something you didn't want to be at first. And make crap money
0: too as a security guard and stuff like this. Exactly. Yeah, it just doesn't make any money. And so in regards to your jiu-jitsu, how do you find – so you're a purple belt now. How do you find your jiu-jitsu is evolving now? Do you find that – now you're getting into different things you're starting to look at new techniques uh, what's the situation now with you when it comes to you know your your day-to-day
1: classes and everything well that's what i liked about jiu-jitsu at first is that everybody can find his game in jiu-jitsu like i used to play football if you're a big guy in football you'll play on the line if you're thin like thin tall guy you'll play on your defense receiver or, or receiver receiving. depending so that's what i like about jiu-jitsu uh, like i told you my first coach was a quick quicker guy so i was like uh that's not really for me but when he was teaching some moves i'm like oh that's for me that's what i can get from out of that class that's gonna apply to my game it wasn't the same thing that my colleagues were doing but this what was i would like to uh take and brought in so with phil usually it's all stuff that i'd like to brought in and when you came in to teach us that baseball choke that's what I do all now, and I yeah. He I, told
0: me you won't stop baseball choking yeah. him. <laughs>
1: so that's something I really like because I was like, when I look at my game, I'm like, okay, if I'm in half guard, uh, that position, okay, I'm good with that sweep, and I got two, usually two sweeps or two things per position. Okay, half guard, I got those two. If I'm bottom, if I'm top, I got this and that. So when you came and show us that choke, I'm like, oh, that's a place where. Yeah, if somebody's trying to get out of my guard and I screw up, I screw up. Oh, I got like an insurance company. Well, okay, now I can do this. So it was uh, really fun. So, what I'm trying to do when I teach, uh, when I'm at the jujitsu, I try to do something I'm not comfortable on. Like with Phil, he's a big guy and he loves to put pressure. I'm usually that guy. So, when I roll with him, I always either pull guard, which is usually against my religion. In competition, I never pull guard. But I pull guard and just try to work my way because I know if I just don't stop on top, sorry, it'll be really easy for me because that's my game. I like to be on top. I'm like my base is good. So I'm hard to sweep and I can basically stay there for uh, like six, seven minutes. I don't mind, but I always try to go on bottom. If I'm with a guy who's like really good on guard, I'm like, okay, I'll just try to get out of his guard because at our club where... Small amount of people so there's not a lot of like there's not like 10 guys like to do guards or 10 guys so when i go with a specific guy i know what's his game and i usually try to go what he's good at just to make him work and i want to get out of that game because i feel that if i work always what my strength is it'll get better but i'll still be uh fragile elsewhere so that way i'm always trying to practice defense and that's why I'm usually more of a defensive a jiu-jitsu player than an offensive one.
0: Yeah, and that way at least you'll evolve. And I have to say, there's a lot of people, even at purple belt, that don't that don't realize that. You know what I mean? And and, and I do appreciate. It. You know, you could tell you're a smart guy, and you know what you need to do in your jiu-jitsu to kind of evolve. And I think a lot of people struggle with that, and and at, that's at all levels. You know, so I know this X, Y, and Z, and I'm at here now and they stay in that little bubble and every time they leave they're like oh I am experiencing failure so I'm going back in my bubble where things were really good but it's when you completely leave and you get smashed and things aren't going well but you start working it that eventually it's 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 going to pan out and I did the exact same thing I had a super strong top game all I wanted to be is in top half if I was in top half you were you were done you were screwed I, and it doesn't really matter who it was it was if I'm top half I have enough tools that I I feel pretty good and then uh, I was like, okay, I like I, I need a bottom game. I need to start playing bottom half. I need to play guard. I need to figure that out. I figured the top game out pretty well. I mean, I'm not a master at it, but I, I'm i pretty good because I have the things that I do really well that I've drilled, you know, thousands of times over and over. So I started playing on the bottom and that was very unpleasant for many, many months and uh, it wasn't going well. But then I started picking up some little things and... Um, uh, my professor Fred, he start, he's really good with margarita guard and butterflies and stuff like that and I really started getting interested in that and so he started fine tuning my margarita guard, my butterfly, setting up triangles and sweeps from there and now I cannot leave. Like when I get on top... I I don't even worry about getting on top. If I get there, I'm like, okay, well, I'm good. Like I know what I have to do because I did it for so long and I'm comfortable there. But now I'm on the bottom. I'm like, I feel great here now. Like my margarita is good. I got my butterfly. I'll sweep you. I, I, I land lots of triangles. There's so many options from there, and I feel good there. So I won't. I don't press the top position. So if I get top position, it's a bonus. And it's because my bottom game worked. So I worked on the bottom. I swept you. I ended up on top. And now I know what to do. So definitely uh, that that whole getting outside of your comfort zone and starting to grasp little things outside of what you're really good at especially at purple is really 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 important because I see it all the time especially at purple belts that people staying in their bubble and not leaving and they do the same thing day in and day out and they, they, they never learn anything else and it's really hard to evolve when you do that especially if I would say if you're a really active competitor and you compete literally at every tournament and your goal is to be a world champion then do those four or five things over and over and over a thousand times to become the master at it so people can't stop you and then you're going to do really well but if you're the everyday grappler that you're you know going to jitsu a couple times a week or even if you're committing to more than that it's you have to learn everything you got to learn it all it's going to take a long time but touch everything don't just touch what you're good at touch everything and i think that's where at purple belt that's what makes it or breaks it those that are open to that will do really well and those that don't they might stick with jiu-jitsu, but it'll
1: just take them a little longer to get there. And since I started jiu-jitsu, I wanted to just, like, learn something to be a better cop. So mm-hmm. if I always up uh, end up on top I've guard let's say, but I know in the street that's not... I'm not going to always end up on top I've guard Usually I'm on top on the streets too, but if I... Let's say the guy hits me from behind and I fall down, what, do I, what am I going to do? I know I'm not going to go out the first punch because usually that's the fun thing in the in police uh, community. A lot of people never got hit in the face just once and like, oh, but what if it hits me, I'll go down. No, you can get a lot, lot, lots of hits without falling down. Of course, if you get a good one, maybe you'll be knocked out a bit. But if you get hit and you fall on the ground, what's going to happen? So that's why I would like to work bottom, top, like everything I can get my hands on, I'll try it. That's pretty good. Yeah, I think,
0: especially having a variety of training partners is good too. Do you find that because you don't have, you know, like 30, 40 students in your club, do you find it harder to evolve? Do you find it's taking longer? Or maybe, you know, Professor Phil is kind of feeding you that information
1: due to the lack of, you know, numbers that are there in the club. Uh, with the curriculum, we're really, really good when we come up to uh, Montreal to do the exams. But... Uh, when we when new people are coming in, or let's say we got a new guy who's from Forte, he's a really good competitor. Uh, comp- yeah, sorry. Competitor. Competitor. Sorry. You could tell the guy's French. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a really good competitor, and uh it's fun to fight with him because he's new, and I have I cannot go like easy on him because I don't know what he's gonna do. But with my best friend, I know he's like a top guy too, and he's gonna want to do an armbar he's an armbar guy he's gonna do an armbar we already know usually he's trying to uh choke you and i'm like go ahead choke me i'm looking at him i'm not even doing anything because i know, know he's he just wants waiting. the arm bar <laughs> he just wants my arm so i'm like you're not gonna even come close to finish that choke so but with new guys usually it's a little bit more fun so that's why uh, everybody's welcome to come but since we're a small group and uh, one of our main players got a kidney stone, it's hard to, uh, to evolve uh, as fast as other schools would do. But on the other hand, when we're getting classes with Phil, it's like a uh, private class all the time. We're four, five guys, six. So when like, you're trying to learn new moves on the, the sheet, it's really easy because he's there to show you and he doesn't have to look over 30 or 40 guys at the same time. Yeah, those smaller
0: classes are gold. And I think a lot of people don't recognize what they have when they end up showing up to class. We'll just say it's snowing, it's crappy weather out, and you're like, I'm going to tough it out, I'm going to go, and there's only three people that show up. You basically have a private class with your instructor for like an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, however long your class is. That's gold. You're, I mean, you have to pay $80, $100, $150 for a private, depending on you know who you're doing the private with and whatnot. You're basically getting that for your monthly membership fee. So I, I do appreciate smaller groups with you know your instructor because you're going to get lots of knowledge and he'll be able to fine tune some things. The lack of rolling afterwards is where you kind of you know you, where you kind of have issues with because you don't have maybe you know 10, 15 guys to roll with every every class. Uh, but it is gold having you know smaller groups and you know being able to fine tune the things that that you do. I I think in smaller clubs it's good for a certain amount of time and then you have to kind of step out of the box and be like, hey, well. I'm going to have to go to my affiliate school over there and I'll go roll with those guys. Even if it's like once every month or once every couple months, just to get outside of the boat, to be like, KK, I'm getting all these privates, technically privates, with my instructor. I It's going well against the four or five guys that I'm rolling with every week. Let's see if it actually works on the masses afterwards. Do you ever, do you start, do you, have you started starting? to kind of branch out to different uh btt's and going to different schools or
1: actually when i did abu dhabi in 2016 i went to the hq up a couple of times just to roll with different people because i wanted to uh be more in touch with my jiu-jitsu and see what was working because what was what's working at Interban usually don't really work where i go elsewhere because i know i'm good at and i know they're weak at that point so i have to uh figure out if it really works i'll try it with other people so that's why i went to montreal a lot and usually we try to go once every six months in uh, West Island just to have new training partners because we're not a big, like I said, a big school and we all got a job on the next day. So we're not there to be world champion. We're just guys who want to uh, have fun, have learn fun, something new. Uh, Do sports a bit. Yeah. And instead of playing hockey, we choose Jiu-Jitsu. So uh, that way we're learning uh, something valuable and having fun at the same time. But uh, since we're not competitors at all for us it's good and it's it's fun because Phil is a really good coach but and you get to know the people that you know really well right in a smaller yeah. group you get to know everyone and we like I already said we don't have any those MMA guys like I'm there to crush and uh, I want to be the best in the world right now so if I get a choke I'll do it if it doesn't work I'm not gonna just uh, power it out I'm I'll let it go. I'll try something else. So, actually, I remember the only guy who got hurt at all at our club was one of those big MMA guys that came in and wanted to try out, and he like popped his shoulder because he was, I don't know, trying to overpower everyone, and it just didn't work at all. Mm. But that way, everybody's getting to work the next day, and we're
0: all having fun. That's good. Yeah, you have to, especially if you're, you have to look at it in a casual way. Sometimes you can't take it too seriously especially if you're not again if you're not too much of an active competitor it's you're like you're going there to have fun like you said like you have to go to work the next day you know you can't go so I even have
1: to work after class there you go
0: that's horrible (laughs) I did that yesterday actually and I almost fell asleep at work it was really rough Uh, you said that you competed in Abu Dhabi in 2016 tell me a little bit about your experience there because you went as a blue belt
1: right yeah I went as a blue belt Uh, my first goal was uh, which was Pat His big competition was that Abu Dhabi even cut weight a bit, but it didn't cut weight that much. So I was like, hey, I want to do that. If I ever got to do a competition, it's going to be that one because it's the biggest one we had in Montreal. So I'll do this one. And instead of uh, just going at my normal weight, I'll try to cut weight a bit. And uh, the first thing I didn't know, uh, I was like, hey, I'll aim for 185. And if I don't make it, I'll just register in the category a little bit higher. So I registered at 185, and my coach was like, uh, you cannot go up on a weight class if you don't make the weight. It doesn't work. I'm like, oh fuck. <laughs> so uh, in six months, uh, roughly, I lost fifty pounds with uh, uh, a great meal plan and everything. So it was like that was the the main goal. I lost fifty pounds on the weight day. I was like, I did it. I had to uh, shed some like water a bit on the last day. Mm-hmm. Do uh, jump rope in the the lobby of the hotel but <laughs> i still managed to do it and i am like hey i already won if i don't even win a round or anything it's already a victory for me i lost 50 pounds and i'm gonna do a tournament so it was uh, incredible we were 14 guys a couple of them at buy so i wasn't one of them my first fight lasted five minutes the whole five minutes and what happened in the four four first minute and a half neither me or the other guy wanted to pull guard so he just stood so we stood <laughs> and it, it was so like i lost so much energy during that fight and at one point a guy in the crowd because my coach wasn't able to coach me that day and uh, at one point in the crowd there's something someone yelling i'm like hey i think he's trying to yell at me i'm like what the hell is happening i'll like, yeah, yeah i'm like what i think he's trying to coach me and then I just succeeded in the in the single leg sweep, which is my number one sweep from the standing. I swept him, got two points, and I won 2-0. And like, oh yeah, and I I found out the guy. And like, hey, I already I already seen that guy at an exam in Montreal, so he's, he was probably coaching me. And then my coach went in. Yeah, I asked him if you he can help you. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> nice. Good. And then after the second fight, it was uh, against a guy from Gracie Baja. I swept in, but as soon as he touched the floor, he swept me, so it was 2-2. At the end of the round, I succeeded in sweeping him again, so I went 4-2, and for the last 20 seconds, I just hugged him as hard as I could. <laughs> I got a penalty. I don't even know Who how cares? it worked. I'm like, <laughs> penalty. I'm like, what the hell's happening? <laughs> uh, another penalty. Okay, I don't, I don't mind, as long as I'm staying on top, and I won. After that, my third fight, I was already out of strength i couldn't even hold my water bottle and i'm going against a guy whose first fight lasted like for 20 seconds okay and i don't even know the guy i've even watched how he fought in anything i don't I, i have no clue who he is so we started and he probably saw my other fight because since i lost 50 pounds i was probably the bigger guy in the weight class but i tried to uh push him a bit just uh to wrestle him and he did one of those most beautiful Tomonage I've ever seen and afterwards I uh, he's after the fight like good fight he's going to his friend which is uh, Olivier Aubin-Mercier mm-hmm. and that's how I learned he was a black belt in karate uh, not in karate sorry in judo and I was like oh shit I would have pulled guard if I would have you know known he was a judo yeah. guy <laughs> and he's he did that Tomonage two armbar, and I I had like the perfect defense for an armbar. And you just yank it out in a fraction of a second because I was out of strength. I wasn't even able to grip my own arms. So I lost badly. And then I'm like, hey, two to one. That's like, that's really a victory for me. Plus
0: the 50 pounds. 50 pounds. (laughs) Bronze medal. Come on. (laughs) I won
1: two fights. I lost the last one. I don't, that's, I feel great. And then my coach coming over, hey, you got another fight. What the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah, it's for bronze medal. What? I got the bronze medal? Oh, my God. So that, I like a little bit more of time to... uh Like re- uh, recuperate. Recuperate a bit. And I ended up winning by choking the guy with my favorite choke, which is the bow and arrow. Oh, nice. And I remember I was choking the guy. My girlfriend was, like, all the way across, so I was standing a little bit sideways. So I was like, oh, the My because my girlfriend I knew was filming the fight, so I was like, oh, I'll just move a bit. So I just sweep and butt scoop just to make sure I was at the right <laughs> angle. And, I, and so I choked him in the bow and arrow. And did she get a good picture of it? Yeah, I got a good okay, picture good. of it. And I actually, that's how I won my bronze medal and, like, hey 3-1 I got a medal I'm going home as a happy guy and then my coach no you got to do absolute are you kidding me (laughs) I'm not even able to hold a bottle how do you want me to fight he's like just go it'll be fun and my first the, the, the the only fight I did at absolute was with a bigger guy who's an MMA fighter who had a professional fight the day before and he won like by KO in the first round so I'm like yeah, I was in shape, so I I wanted to cancel, but uh, it went well, so I came here today. And
0: the guy's all hyped up probably. He was all wind. hyped
1: up. He <laughs> was, like, so big. So actually, he ended up getting a nomoplata with a choke, but neither of them was working. But I was not strong enough to do anything, so I was just sitting there laughing. But as I was laughing, he was getting mad. And the more he was getting mad, the, wor- the worse it was getting. But I was laughing because I, I couldn't even move. So at one point, you can see me on the the tapes, I'm just trying to get the choke in because I'm like, ah, I'm not gonna tap for nothing. So I'm helping in getting its choke, so it's funny. Nice. But I ended up doing a great day, it was awesome. And uh, it's okay. the only one I did. Do
0: you want to compete again?
1: I'd like to compete again. My girlfriend doesn't want to because if I compete at 220, I'm I'm not gonna be uh, at my best, I think. So you'd have to work, cut a, a little bit. Last, not, maybe not 185 again, but... 195. Uh, one ninety five probably, yeah. so, but still I have to cut weight, and that was the worst part. And uh, with two kids, it's hard to get time and the, the job and everything. So, I'll try to do it maybe when it's uh, is becoming Ill- Ill- legal again in Quebec,
0: but, and plan it and plan it accordingly. I I did the same thing. I in January I said cause I I've been a I've been pretty bad when it comes to sugar. Uh, over the years, my mom I would say she wasn't the best cook but she was an amazing baker. Mm. So we always had dessert at home. So we'd get through the meal that we had, which was either like spaghetti or chicken, like super basic. But we knew when we were done our meal that there was going to be dessert there. So we always had dessert. So growing up, I had this sweet tooth, but like major sweet tooth. I would eat sugar left, right and center all the way till I'm 38 now. So just recently. And, um, it was getting to a point where my wife was getting worried and she was like, hey, you really need to cut out the sugar. Like, it's way too much. So I, I was talking to one of my teammates, Brian Vieira, and he was telling me about this keto diet that he was doing and how he felt super great in the afternoons. He got like this boost of energy and just he felt so much better. So I, um, when I went on my paternity leave, when my son was born, uh, this was in November, uh, I took five weeks and I started doing some research. I bought some books, uh, went online, and um, I thought it was a good solution for me based on um, my goal was to cut out sugar so I was like hey well it mixes well with what my goal is so let's give it a try so lots of meat lots of fat cut out all the sugar no rice uh, no pasta no bread the bread was a little bit hard my wife's Italian so we eat a lot of bread and pasta at home but I cut everything out and I was I really wanted to get in the weight division that I was when I was younger uh, because I've been competing at 195 and the guys are just way too big for me so I wanted to go back to 181.5 so With this diet, I was 191.2 the first week of January, and now I'm like 183.4, so it's going really, really well. I think it could be going better based on some conversations that I've had with Brian there. He's like, yeah, you lost a lot, but you should be losing more. So I told him a little bit about what I'm eating uh, during the day. And he was like, oh, like replace that with this. Uh, You know, you're taking organic sugar, replace that with stevia and all these little things. So I'm hoping that will help also. But I'm like right on weight so like I'm perfect like I, I won't need to do a major weight cut I could take like a Epsom salt bath and like I'll be on weight with my gi and I'm totally good because I'm going to do the Abu Dhabi in, um, in February um, and uh, that one's 185 uh, so I'm good now I need to shed one pound technically so by then like I'll, I'll be pretty fine I think competing in your proper weight class is very very important because afterwards even if well or not well you will question yourself and say could I have done better if I would have put that effort in to go where I should have been? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So so you'll you'll go down you said to one ninety five probably? Probably if I want to compete again.
0: How much do you weigh now?
1: Uh two twenty. So, two twenty. So uh and I'm even I started bad diet uh on January first because I was at 230, 235 depending okay. on so I was like, that's way too fat. So I wanted to cut a bit. So I started and I'm already back to two twenty, so we'll I'll just make sure I stay around that way. good.
0: Do you guys eat well? I guess you eat well at home?
1: Uh, I try to as much as I can, but I'm a big dessert guy either. Okay. So too, so I try to, <laughs> to cut uh, ice cream or anything that's... Uh, it's
0: hard. I'm yeah. telling you. For two weeks, I, I, I honestly thought I was dying. I was getting like these hot flashes. I was shaking. I was like, and I got a cold, uh, like a really, really bad one. Uh, and it was really like my body was trying to adapt to what I was like. I just put it through this big shock, uh, and the sugar, it was, it's like cocaine. It's just like, I, I needed it all the time. So, but now I feel great. Like I don't need it. Uh, I feel like my energy level is so much better. Um, my meals are pretty like, I want to say bland or no, not bland, but repetitive. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, there's a lot of keto meals out there, but I mean, it takes a lot of like you got to do a extensive You know grocery run and whatnot I'm not ready for that but just the basic stuff I'm doing Um, but I find that the energy level is is much better due to the fact that there's no more sugar in my diet and I didn't think it was gonna make a big difference but it's crazy how much it makes a difference but it's so hard to drop it because sugar is in everything Mm -hmm. everything especially if you love dessert and, and you're in a routine of doing that after you eat that I need a dessert it's very very difficult but um, you should try keto. The keto's not bad. Yeah, I'll try it. I'll, I'll take a look. <laughs> take a look. I'm, the best thing is to research itself. That's what I did. I didn't jump in and be like, okay, well, everyone's talking about it, so that's what I'm going to do. No, no. Like I bought books. I went online. I read as much as I could on it and then determined, will this work for me based on the goals that I have set? And it was, you know, everyone sets goals in January. It lasts a month, and then they just drop it. But I'm really finding that this could definitely be a lifestyle long term as long as my wife is on board because like two weeks ago she – we have a thing called Mr. Puffs where it's like Tim Horne's Timbits. And again, Tim Horne's people, Americans are like, what's Tim Hortons? So they're like these little basic like donut – bunches i guess or like these round donut balls Uh, but this place called mr puffs does it like to the extreme where you can buy a box of 55 and they put like chocolate or caramel or strawberry on top so my wife knows that i'm like i'm going through this it was like the first couple weeks i wasn't feeling super great because i was adapting to it and she goes and she uber eats like a 55 box (laughs) of these and it's like how could you not eat one? And I'm dying here, like staring at her eating them. So there's that struggle a little bit, because you know she's on her on her maternity leave, watching her son. So she's kind of living the life, you know. She's off of work for a year. She gets to hang out at home, eat what she wants, and this and that. She can't necessarily work out because she had a cesarean, so she has to get through that first before she could work out again. So she's living the life, and I'm like struggling watching her eat all this stuff. But it tests your like uh, your 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 motivation to want to do things like I do. that. So.
1: It does yeah. big time.
0: So, um, what's the plan now? So, for the next couple of months, you just keep training in Tarban, and do you have any, anything planned? Or? Yeah,
1: I'll keep training Tarban, do promotion a bit, try to uh, get as much as new people as I can. Uh, Shehan actually started. He wanted. He was a. He's actually a purple belt in uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, cool! But for the last, let's say, year and a half, he didn't train because. He's a world champion in karate. He went to the world and everything. He even trained with George and Pierre at one point. And uh, the thing is, he wanted to do, started doing jiu-jitsu again. But since he's giving out the classes, he decided that once every two Mondays, he's mixing jiu-jitsu class with the karate people because it's his advanced class. And he thinks that uh, every of his black belts should be at least to a level of a blue belt in, the, makes uh, sense. in BJJ. So that way... Uh, on mondays we got like 25 new guys to work with so we're starting from the bottom but we're i'm helping him in those class just to uh bring their jiu-jitsu game a bit higher and we're having fun we did it once so far and next week's gonna be uh another of those class so we started with a game plan a little bit more structured uh, structure than uh what uh the top team as usually, okay. but uh, well, will,
0: are, will you work a curriculum type of thing? Or?
1: Uh, actually, we're using the same curriculum, oh, nice. which is from the blue belt. But instead of doing okay, uh, do the curriculum, we're doing uh, jujitsu oriented uh, uh, not training, I would say, but uh, warm up. Instead of just I do techniques and it'll start that way. So we're doing uh, warm ups. Afterwards, we're doing techniques, but a little bit instead of just following the the, the sequence. Okay, we're going to do that technique. And then afterwards, we're sh- going to show the escape, even if it's not on the sheet, because you, you're you going to want to learn how to do the escape. And afterwards, we're doing a part where we're only drilling instead of doing techniques and fighting afterwards. So we've got, like, classes, uh, four steps in the class. So warm-up, techniques, drill, and uh, a little bit of... Uh, that's pretty rolling. cool. Yeah. Nice. And
0: that's on Mondays? Yeah, on Mondays. That's pretty neat. And then you do your Wednesday, Wednesday class. Wednesday class with Phil and... Uh, It's always fun with Phil. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Cool. Well, for people that want to check Ben out, you can go head to, if you're in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, you want to head to Terrebonne, they've got a school going on there. Super great group of guys. You guys can check them out there. And uh, if you ever see Ben on the street, don't be doing anything illegal. He'll probably arrest you. Or at least if you do it, don't do it in Terrebonne because he's roaming around. (laughs) Uh, Ben, I really appreciate you coming in. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're busy with your job, your kids at home, people have been sick and all that stuff, but we finally got it together. And, Uh, you're welcome back anytime
1: my pleasure thanks man thanks
0: you've been listening to let's talk jiu-jitsu with raymond terrence go follow us on facebook and instagram and don't forget to subscribe to our youtube page turn on notifications and press that like button thanks for listening we'll see you on the mats